A legendary brand, a family legacy, a tumultuous love affair that cost a man his life. Hollywood has put its own spin on this story, but the movie subjects have made their anger with their portrayal well known. Is there more to this story than the film would have you believe? This week's episode is The Murder of Maurizio Gucci. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Do you own any Gucci? products no <laughs> i i once had a fake gucci bag oh, i recently got rid of it because it was completely falling apart which i assume the real gucci bags don't do but I've probably not one. i always got the g from gucci mixed up with the g from guess like guess jeans oh <laughs> so i wouldn't know is it I a g one. from guess i thought guess was a some of the well they try to knock mark. it off well, they try to knock it off, and they would do G's up against each other so that it would look like Gucci. No, oh, I never. I remember Guess being a triangle logo. Th- that's their main logo, but that you could buy bags that had G's on them that would look oh. like off brand. They were. They knew what they were doing. Mm. They knew like, what they were doing. Guess which one this is. We're like, we all know which one it is. It's <laughs> well, not. it costs nine ninety five. <laughs> it's not the Gucci one. We did not buy this at Claire's boutique. New, no. new. No. Yeah. I uh I've never owned a Gucci item, so I did see I, where you could just add some tape to flip flops that would look like Gucci, like you add the green and red to the black okay. slider flip flop. So I may do that because that looks mm. real nice. <laughs> uh, well, there's but, yeah. one way to get around spending I don't know nine hundred dollars on a pair of flip flops. Yeah, I uh, you know what, just a couple rolls of tape, and then you can use the tape for other stuff. Yeah, you can Gucci your. Uh, your vision board, your <laughs> scrapbooks. Side of your I car. imagine it's the same type of tape. That's oh, how yeah. I envision it. Like, what's that type of tape called? I would think use for those things. Well, I was thinking like name. electrical tape, like where oh, it's like okay. gummy kind of, and it sticks, and it's weatherproof. So, take them in the pool, take them in the lake, <laughs> take them wherever you want. Take them in the canals <laughs> of Florence, Venice, Be- Venice. Yeah. I don't know if Florence has canals. I've never been to Italy. They all have, so. A lot of places have canals. Some are just bigger than others. I mean, we have. I got a canal down the street from me. It's filled with little... trash and like a and like a drop of water. But it, some people call it a canal. Get a boat. Get yeah. you a stick. Give you, people. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't go anywhere because you're just on top of rocks <laughs> and like Seven Eleven cups. Yeah, but well. you could get a boat down there if you wanted. I think anything, anything is canoe. possible. Yeah, <laughs> anything's possible in East Dallas. If you put your mind to it. <laughs> well, we haven't seen this movie yet, but we have plans to. Yeah, it's supposed to come out January 31, February 1st on streaming services. So that is when I will plant myself to see Adam Driver, who I love so much. Oh, yes. And Lady Gaga, who I also love. I also, I, I love I love both of them. Tommy's a big Adam Driver fan. I love him because of SNL. Which oh, he's been Tom- on there a handful of times. Tommy, uh, I never watched Girls. Mm. But Tommy watched Girls, and that's where he was introduced to Adam Driver, and and really liked him. But yeah, he's uh, I'll, he's good looking. Yes. and I'm gonna go ahead and say it. 
So was Maurizio Gucci. Oh, yeah. He had that alluring He kind had of a charm charisma. about him. Mm-hmm. Pretty he, eyes. Yeah. He, yeah, he had the, <laughs> the Italian uh, charisma going on for him, for sure. Oh, yeah. Also, the Lady Gaga casting, incredible how oh, yeah. much she resembles Patrizia. Oh, yeah. And she's such a great actress and said she, she is. spent a ton of time getting into the character and studying the role and everything. So I was thinking about that today, how she is one of those stars that can do everything. She can act. She can sing. I, I don't know. She can probably paint. She can dance. She can dance. Yeah. I mean, like, she, I, she, I think she would nail a Broadway role oh, given yeah, the opportunity. Yeah. She's, man. She can do it like all. that. Good for you. Oh, yeah. And somebody, another person that kind of came from, you know, more humble beginnings. And also I do like when, I think she said that everybody, they bullied her in school and said she would never amount to anything. Well, look at her now. Yeah. Joke's on you, everyone that went to school with Lady Gaga, because um, I challenged someone that went to school with her to to come out saying they're more successful. Don't <laughs> think never that's. To her eyes. <laughs> don't think that's happening. Well, we are talking about the murder of Maurizio Gucci, which is uh, what the film House of Gucci highly focuses on. Um, I think there's been some artistic liberties taken from Mm -hmm. things we've read, but we are here to give you what is more of the, um, I won't say the movie was inaccurate, but we're going to give a little more um, of the finer details that I think the movie leaves out yeah and there's a a couple articles that are like five things that they changed and sometimes you change things Mm -hmm. to quicken up the timeline or um you know make it more dramatic the book that it's based on uh the audiobook is 16 hours and the movie i'm gonna guess is not 16 hours so that can kind of tell you there's got to be a lot of stuff that gets left out so yeah this will not be 16 hours but hopefully we've synthesized all the information that uh it fills in some of the gaps there are more people involved in this story than in a Shakespearean play. There really is a large cast, so buckle up. It's was I almost had to create a spreadsheet to keep up with with all the people. So there may even be people we don't mention because while they were integral to certain parts of the story, at some point, you know, you got to cut some people out. It's just there's too many. There's too if many you names. Dive deeper. That book, House of Gucci, is, I mean, down to they start at the great great grandparents and then everybody who had, it's like the Bible where they're like, this person begat this person and this person mm. begat this person. And I drew a little family tree. <laughs> and you're like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of players. There's so. A lot of people. But they go into it and it's, uh, it is interesting as far as getting in the nitty gritty of it just to learn it. But then again, I also listen to audiobooks on 2XP. So you tell me. I got in the car to <laughs> go with you. We were Where going were we home going? from the show. Oh, yes. From from a very fun show mm-hmm. that we had at DCC this past week. And I, you you uh, turned on the car. It started playing. I go, is this how you're listening? <laughs> I don't understand how how it happens. Mm-hmm. It would, I, nothing, it would just wash over me. I don't know, man. That's how my brain sounds inside. So I listen to it and can take notes on it, and it's very efficient. Wow. That's fascinating. Truly fascinating. (laughs) If it was on slow, I don't listen. I think about other stuff. I zone out because it's too slow. I zone out on audiobooks, too. But if it was sped up that fast, (laughs) it messes with my misophonia. Like, I couldn't even uh, 
handle it because it's so like grating to me that mm. I would just have to tune out. But we've had listeners say like they listen to him that fast too. So you're not there alone. You Some it's people may listen to us that fast. Or our friend Madison that yes. accidentally uh, didn't realize her car had slowed us way down and that thought that funny. we were very drunk. And <laughs> it is extremely funny. That is a, a video that is posted on our Patreon that I think it might, next to you in the ball pit, I think that video has mo- the most comments of anything we've ever posted. <laughs> Probably. It's very funny. They're both very funny. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. Born on September 26, 1948, in Florence, Italy, to parents and actors Sandra Ravel and Rodolfo Gucci, Maurizio Gucci became the newest addition to the illustrious and infamous House of Gucci. 27 years earlier, in 1921, Maurizio's grandfather, 40-year-old Guccio Gucci, had opened a leather shop in Florence. Known for their fine wares and innovative use of materials, Gucci quickly made a name for itself. By 1953, they had become well-established as one of the top luxury brands, with their first American store having just opened in New York City. Yeah, they talked about how initially, because it was such a, it started to become like a tourist destination that they were selling suitcases and then people would take the suitcases back home and then it would be like, where did you get that? Mm -hmm. I got it in Italy. And so they wanted it. Then celebrities started doing it, um, started buying them and showing them off. And they talk about how they really started trying to cater to celebrities, especially after opening in New York, but that um, I think it was Princess Grace came in and... He said, I have to give you a gift. I have to give you a gift. And she said, oh, no, you don't have to give me anything. How about just a scarf? Well, they didn't make scarves. But he said, oh, you know, it's funny. We have a scarf in production. I will send you one right away when it's finished. And then she leaves the store and he jumps on the phone with the designer and says, make a fucking scarf right now. We have to send it to Grace. And they made this famous, iconic, floral like design on it mm-hmm. that she started wearing. But it was literally just because they knew to cater to that crowd of everybody would want it then. There you go. That's has not changed. <laughs> if man celebrities can wear anything mm-hmm. and then if you're that designer you just blew up overnight done and done put juicy right on the butts yeah oh, god juicy they're coming back Did celebrities ever wear juicy uh paris hilton and now they're wearing That's it again right they're bringing paris it back Hil- oh it's coming back oh yeah there's pictures of kathy and, and nikki and paris like in their juicy outfits together yeah but like ironically no, it doesn't seem like it. They seem excited to wear them. Are they new or are they their original Gucci? They're new. Gucci. Juicy. Juicy Gucci's. Uh, they're <laughs> new. Okay. Every, I mean, that back, doesn't baby. surprise me because all this stuff comes, everything comes back eventually. Yeah, don't throw it out or that's a bad idea. You should throw it out. It was 90s. So now I guess we're moving into the early aughts. We're so, yeah. in, we're in the, that couture now. Watch out, kids. We we <laughs> veered into some dangerous lanes in the yeah. 2000s. Mm. Oh, well, so the um, striped highlights in the hair <laughs> not far behind, They're which I back. think you had. Did you not? Severe stripes, like block <laughs> color block hair. All right. Well, look for it. I'm calling it now. Now in the I next have six months, we're going to see that. It's just gray and then also brown. <laughs> I've never seen you have gray. I've, they're, they're coming in. I'm letting them. I'm letting oh. them come in. You know what? I have several friends that just embraced it, and their hair, their gray is gorgeous. It's like highlights right now, so we'll see where it goes from here. I can't. I, I'm going to have to see. Look at that next time. I I'll let you. You can pick through my person. hair like an ape. Gonna, <laughs> like a chimpanzee. I'm just going <laughs> to pick your hair apart. 
Maurizio's mother passed away from cancer when he was just five years old, leaving Rodolfo to raise their son alone. It wasn't until 17 years later that another woman would come into Maurizio's life. In 1970, at the age of 22, Maurizio Gucci met a woman named Patrizia Reggiani at a party. She played it cool, pretending not to notice him. He couldn't help but notice her and the striking dress she wore, asking his friend, Who is that beautiful girl dressed in red who looks like Elizabeth Taylor? Maurizio pursued her relentlessly. Soon, the two 20-somethings fell madly in love. They said she had violet eyes. like Just like Elizabeth Taylor. Liz yeah. Taylor. She does, in pictures, look like Liz Taylor. She kind of has a young Liza Minnelli look to her mm-hmm. as well. She's very striking, very attractive. Mm-hmm. And his dad had been an actor who he had defected from the family business. His stage name was Maurizio. And then when he and the wife had the kid, they named him Maurizio. So he kind of grew up around loving movies and having that Hollywood mm-hmm. feel. So you see somebody that looks like a movie star, you're like... The wolf eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Patrizia did not come from a wealthy family. She never knew her father, but eventually her mother, a waitress, married a wealthy entrepreneur who adopted Patrizia. Throughout her childhood, he often treated her to lavish gifts, inciting her appreciation for the finer things in life. I mean, same. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I love fine I, things. I, I like nice things. I do I have any Gucci products? No. Would I like to be gifted some? Of course. I would be Please scared, send though. them my way. Our PO box is on the <laughs> website. I have one nice pair of juicy sunglasses that I got out of the lost and found at Sea Dog in two thousand and ten. And I still don't like first of all, they're kind of out of style right now, but just wait. They're coming <laughs> back though. Get come six back. months, you're gonna be wearing those. But knowing that they were at the time, I guess back then expensive, it makes me nervous to take them out because I don't want to like lose them. So I, I never owned have, like, a juicy thing, except my booty, hey. which I was born with. But I never, I never owned um, any juicy couture. Well, but anything expensive—not that that's even juicy ex- or Gucci expensive—but something like that, it would make me nervous to be like, "Oh, these are Chanel glasses." Because mm-hmm. if I took them out, I would definitely leave them on a countertop in a bathroom yeah. somewhere, and they would and then gone. you're real bummed. You just yes. lost a super expensive pair of sunglasses. Yeah. From the moment he met Patrizia. Rodolfo despised her. He saw her as nothing more than a social climber who wanted to latch herself onto his son to further warm her way into the wealthy, elite social scene of Milan. Rodolfo insisted Maurizio cut all ties with the woman. Maurizio, however, was smitten, telling his father, Papa, I can't leave her. I love her. As the two grew closer and decided to marry, Rodolfo tried intervening more, going as far as asking the Catholic Church not to perform the wedding ceremony. In 1972, the pair married anyways, and Rodolfo disowned his only son. It's wild to me that he would exert such control over Maurizio when his dad tried exerting a ton of control over him and crushed his dreams of an acting career and said, you're going to be a failure. Hollywood is 15 minutes of fame. You should come back. And now you have a son who's like, I'm in love, daddy. I cannot wait to get married to this beautiful (laughs) woman. And he was like, I'm here to crush your dreams, kid. Yeah, I guess you do unto others of that's of what's been done to you. I don't know. Or you know, you know. I mean, abuse tends to repeat itself in in families. I also think, though, he kind of saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't wrong. Before <laughs> Mauricio did because 
Uh, yeah, he wasn't wrong. No. She had already social climbed her way up, and, we you know, was at parties where Maurizio was, but those that knew her said, you know, she also did not grow up wealthy and was actually her mother until she met the entrepreneur was quite poor, and friends said that that kind of affected how she was, and she didn't want to ever go back to how she used to live. And so True. she was determined to do whatever she had to do to stay in that class of people. And if she was going to marry rich, that's what she was going to do. She's like, I've seen what it's like down there. Don't want to <laughs> yeah. go back. Mm-hmm. Soon after they were married, Maurizio's uncle Aldo invited the newlyweds to New York so that he could train his nephew in the ways of the company. He had been hinting for a while that he wanted someone younger to take over the business. Aldo's own sons felt slighted and weren't too excited about their cousins swooping in and becoming their father's protege. Nevertheless, the couple moved to the Big Apple and made their home in a 9,000-square-foot penthouse on Fifth Avenue. Well, that's not a bad place to live. That is so big. It's huge. That is. I've been in a 5,000-square-foot house, and that was overwhelmingly big. That's like, yeah. Our house is little less than 2,000. Yeah, so it's almost five times. That's wild. Yeah. That's too much house. For being not a house even. It's a penthouse, so yes. it's in a building. So you probably take up the whole building, the top part of the whole building. I look at those types of houses, and I think to furnish that, to keep mm-hmm. it clean, there are rooms you would never even go in mm-hmm. for two people. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure because it's, we're going to see some spending starts happening and you have to have people to take care of it, shit to put in every room. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's maybe not the best use of your money. I don't know. Clean it. Just yeah. go in and like uh, open a door to air it out every now and then. You'd have to. But they ended up in New York. So Aldo was all about expanding the business. And Rodolfo was kind of more closely held we just need to make it work here and aldo's like i'm gonna go to new york i'm gonna open a store and this guccio is still alive for a time when they went to open the new york store and so grandpa is still alive and he's like don't do it it's a bad idea well of course it opens it's a huge hit and then grandpa's telling everybody you know it was my idea to open that Mm. store i'm really proud of myself and my sons and there was three sons one of them never had kids so when he passed away they bought it out so then it becomes these two brothers and they're kind of because they have different visions and they both are 50-50 and both hard-headed. They each have their own ideas of how to run stuff. And when you go, fuck you for marrying her, the other uncle's like, oh, come on over to New York. We would mm-hmm. love to have you. Kind of as a slight to his brother almost. Yeah, and pitting also the family against were, each other. His three kids, were uh, they all were very hard-headed as well. One of which is, only one of them is portrayed in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paolo, played by Jared Leto. And apparently in the movie, he is made out to be kind of this um, uh, not a very fashionable person. He's wearing a fat suit in the movie. He's kind of a, uh, yeah, he's kind of like a bumbling um, idiot. But in reality, he was very stylish and fashionable from Mm -hmm. the pictures that he takes with them. And 
and not really like that. So I think that is one of the creative liberties that have been taken that the family is not too pleased with. Well, yeah, and I've seen Paolo in interviews and also his whole thing was that he wanted to have his own brand. Mm -hmm. He wanted to have a younger brand that was, you know, catered, which is genius. Now, when you think about it, a lot of these ideas that some of the other family members had, they got shat on by the older generation were actually was a really good Mm -hmm. idea. Um, He was like, it's not quite Gucci would be like a sub brand genius they told him no shut up um and so but he he was actually like a good designer he wanted the family to recognize him but it was kind of like ah shut up little brother like we're not Mm -hmm. here to listen to you Maurizio and Patrizia started out as most couples do madly in love they enjoyed their elite position in New York City's social scene palling around with the likes of the Kennedys and attending all the highest society events the pair split their time between New York Italy and various luxurious vacations They owned houses in several hotspots, a 214-foot wooden yacht, and untold luxury cars with license plates that read, Maurizia, their celebrity couple name. That is a good celebrity couple name because their names are almost the same name. So just go ahead and combine them. Cromie? Um, Ours is... Or Tristy. uh, (laughs) We don't have a good one. When we were getting married, everyone was trying to think of one for our hashtag, mm-hmm. and one I did not love was um, Brawless, Brown and Wallace, <laughs> which I did not love, so I shot that down pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, to Misty, Grommy, neither Crummy. one of those sound real good. Grommy sounds like commie. So that's not great. Yours would be... um, Harris. Harris. Yeah. There you go. It's regular. Or um, Peather. Peather. (laughs) It's not a celebrity name. This is going bad. Harris is is an actual name, so that doesn't sound bad. Solid name. You could name your child Harris. That's kind of cool. That's true. I was like, or instead of... Anybody changing their last name, we both change our last names to Harris, but then Paris's name would be Paris Harris, and that's a terrible <laughs> idea. So please Or ignore. your name is Heather Pether. Heather Pether and Harris <laughs> Paris Harris. That's what you do. You each change your last name to be a combination. And Everybody. then you're Heather Pether and Paris Harris. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> then you gotta open some kind of like um law firm. Or an emporium of some yeah. kind. I feel like those names together. <laughs> In 1976, at a health spa on the Italian island of Ischia, Patrizia met Pina Ariema, a woman who she would later describe as... A dear friend. Who... Destroyed all my problems with a sense of humor. Pina became a confidant and advisor to the Guccis, using her psychic abilities and proficiencies with tarot to help them make major decisions. That same year, Patrizia gave birth to the couple's first daughter, Alessandra. A second daughter, Allegra, was born in 1981. It was after the birth of his granddaughters that Rodolfo Gucci made amends with his son shortly before his death in 1983. Yeah, Maurizio was real into, as we say, woo-woo kind of stuff, witchy stuff. They said he had, you know, talismans in his office and used her for advice. Mm-hmm. Tarot. I mean, if you, uh, whatever, whatever helps you. Helps you make good decisions. Pray, decisions. meditate, use a tarot reader. Yeah, I guess uh, in hindsight, he he should she should have saw that coming, or maybe she did and just didn't uh, let him in on it. I think we see 
<laughs> she probably saw it way down the line. Uh, and yeah, I think when we see how all the advice on the running the business goes, uh, just get maybe get an MBA next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't go the um, tarot route because the thing with psychics is they can see stuff you can't, and they can choose what they want to share with you. Also, that sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Oh man, I've been. I'm- I'm fiending again. Get my fiend on. I'm back on the fiend. Can't give it up. Uh, Well, I told you that since I got my new phone and I could not restore it, I got kicked back to level one, but that's fine. That's good. Because any level of fiend is a calming, happy level of fiend. Well, uh, I'm on 319. So, but you know what? You can catch up fast. They yeah, go fast. and I'm already. Yeah, I think I'm already at 21. There you <laughs> my, go. See, my phone just came a few days ago. So uh, <laughs> that's how yeah. fast it goes. Because Best Fiends is a mobile puzzle game that anyone can download and play, whether you have a few minutes or a few hours. Best Fiends is a perfect puzzle game to lose yourself in because you're having so much fun. The game features tons of cute characters that help you solve thousands of fun puzzles. The more you play, the more characters you collect, and the more you win, the more challenges you face. With thousands of levels, you literally can play as long as you want and never get bored. I also like that you fight the slugs on each level Mm -hmm. and each little character has a corresponding, you know, a leaf or a little apple and you have to choose and be strategic about what you're swiping. You're not just swiping willy nilly. It's strategy involved. And you've got your favorite fiends. They're super cute. When they level up, it's very fun and exciting. It's like your baby. You're like watching Mm -hmm. your, I don't have a child, but I have a fiend. It's the same. It's the same. (laughs) (laughs) Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on this show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. I think before I have my BetterHelp therapist, which was my first foray into therapy, and and I love how convenient and easy it is and how we got matched up, I think there was a lot of stigma in society in my circle of, oh, well, you only go to therapy if there's something wrong with you, if you have a problem. And, well, first of all, we all got problems. But also, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with me, and I have my therapist I can now talk to when, and, and I can text her. She texts me apropos of nothing. It's quite lovely. So I think getting that out of your head that or getting it out of my head that I don't want to sign up for this. It's embarrassing because people think there's something wrong with me. There mm-hmm. ain't nothing wrong with me. <laughs> no. In fact, I think everybody should go to therapy, whether you think there's something wrong with you or you're, uh, you know there's something wrong with you. Even if you're the happiest person in the world, there's always stuff that you can unload. For sure. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Sinisterhood listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Sinister. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Sinister. Tell you what, we got to, we, we're, we're always wanting Ella to take vitamins. Oh, yeah. We have gone through uh, several brands because, you know, vitamins aren't always the most tasty things for kids, mm-hmm. but we have struck a winner with Haya. 
Oh, you love it? She's loving them? She loves them. It comes in the very cute little container. It looks Mm kid-friendly, but it's also great for the environment because you just get the container refilled instead of, like, it just being plastic. It's like this um, durable type of material, so you just get it refilled. Well, I love that. Well, did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? So you are doing a great thing for Ella because Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide full body nourishment for your kids' needs with the yummy taste. Sounds like she really loves. She does. And it can be. She loves loves fruits. It's harder to get her to eat vegetables. So this makes us feel much better about things. Haya is supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. We've worked out a special offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash creepy or enter code creepy at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash creepy and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Full discount applied at checkout. With Maurizio in New York learning the family business from his uncle, Aldo needed to make peace with his own three sons. In a showing of faith, he diluted his ownership, giving 3.3% of his shares to each of them. This left Aldo owning just 40%, while his brother, Rodolfo, owned 50%. When Rodolfo died in 1983, that majority interest passed to Rodolfo's only son. Suddenly, Maurizio was no longer his uncle Aldo's protege, Instead, he was majority shareholder in the entire family business. Oh, Aldo, no. (sighs) No, buddy. I mean, I guess if you've got your three sons being like, uh, Papa, what about us? Why'd you bring uh, cousin Maurizio in when you got three kids right here? He had to do something to smooth things over. Yeah, but maybe work something out with Rodolfo. I don't know because at this point, Aldo was the head man, uh, like head in charge, made all the day to day decisions, ran the thing. Was nobody could question him. And mm. then, so then, if you're forty percent and your brother who lets you run things is fifty percent, that's no big deal. But when your nephew, who's like, I have some, I have some comments, mm-hmm. is suddenly, mm-mm. this is why a ton of a ton of thought has to go into familial estate planning when you have a closely held business because you can't, you really got to plan stuff. And I don't mean like Rodolfo personally estate planning to Maurizio, like Rodolfo and Aldo as 50, 50 owners should have had some sort of internal documents mm-hmm. that would say, yeah, this is how it's going to go. It doesn't just revert to him. Cause that is, I mean, as we see for dear Aldo it does not go well. This has got big succession vibes. Oh Yeah. After its father's death, Patrizia claimed Maurizio stopped taking her advice on matters of the family business. Maurizio got crazy. Until then, I was his chief advisor about all Gucci matters. But he wanted to be the best, and he stopped listening to me. According to all that's interesting, as the couple began fighting more and more often, things began unraveling in the house of Gucci. Additionally, now that Maurizio was the majority stakeholder in the family business, he was spending less and less time at home. Eventually, in 1985, no longer able to handle the external and internal stressors of their marriage, Maurizio packed a bag and headed to Florence, telling Patrizia he was going away for business. Later that day, during a visit from a mutual friend, Patrizia learned the truth about her husband's departure. Her marriage was over. 
Rizio had left her for good. Even though she lost her husband, Patrizia was determined not to let go of the Gucci name. They lived separate lives while Maurizio tried desperately to save his family's business, which was bleeding money at this point. And Maurizio was busy with the business, but he was also busy having an affair or two. Yeah, he was busy spending a lot of money and jet-setting around the world and mm-hmm. living his life. Getting on boats with uh, hot models and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I think one of them was interviewed and said, you know, he told me he really loved his kids, but he was really miserable in his marriage and he was stressed about his business. And I told him, you know, you should just leave. And then she felt guilty later because the divorce, you know, was so contentu- contentious. And uh, but OK, as bad of a time that you're having, buddy, he just said, I'm going to biz. I'm going away for business. Be right back. And then you call your friend and go. You need to go up there and tell man, her. Man, that's that's a ride-or-die friend that's like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do it, man. Right. <laughs> I'll go break the news to her. She's not going to be happy. Knowing what a temper she has. Also that. I would not want to be the bearer of that news. No. Uh, and, yeah, I think the guy called her and said, hey, can I come over? And she's like, oh, sure. He just left for business. And then he comes over and is like, I have some news. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It's one thing to go out for smokes and not come back. When you're like, I'm going out for a business trip. It's a good way to get your backpack, though. Because <laughs> if you pack a bag to go get smokes. That's true. You get all your stuff out. Suspicious. In an attempt to reclaim the fashion house's former glory and once great name, Rizio ended Gucci's licensing agreements with other companies that had diluted the brand around the world. Increasing exclusivity came at a price. According to People Magazine, these agreements had brought in tens of millions of dollars of revenue per year. And some of the estimates, because it was a private company at this point, were that it was around $50 million a year, which is great. Money that you don't have to really earn. You just say, yes, you can slap the G on something and give us the money for it. But it, it does make it less valuable. Oh, yeah. They said it was on ridiculous things. People want things that are exclusive, especially the rich and powerful. And if just anybody can get it then it's not exciting. Yeah, and it was something like even down to plastic toilet brushes. Like, it it was oh, bad. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. It was down low. So it's one thing to be like, we're only going to do luggage now on. But it was, they're like, we're anything. Stick it All on whatever. All goods. Yeah. <laughs> Owning 50% of the business wasn't enough for Maurizio. He wanted to be in complete control. In the summer of 1989, after years of fighting, Maurizio plotted with an outside investment company to seize control over the company and rid himself of his family members for good. The plan was successful, with his cousin selling out first. Knowing he was outnumbered, Aldo relented and sold his shares to InvestCorp as well, the same investment fund that owns luxury brand Tiffany & Co., for $135 million, putting the third-generation Gucci solely in power of the family's famous brand. And Maurizio and Paolo worked together to try to oust Aldo initially because Maurizio basically told Paolo, hey, if you want to start your own brand, I'll buy you out. You'll have this money. You, you'll be good. And then when that all didn't work, then Maurizio just bought them all out and kind of worked with his financial planner is in, in interviewed in the People Magazine Presents Killing Gucci. And he said he helped him because they knew if the end result was having Maurizio in charge that Aldo and the cousins would never have sold. So he just had to say, oh, I don't know who's buying the shares. I don't know. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, he knew exactly who he was getting into business with and they wanted to leave him in charge. Didn't Patrizia encourage that? Because it was all a scam. They were like, oh, yeah, you can have your own line. It'll be it'll be great. But really, it was just a way to get him to sell his shares. Yeah. And then he ended up he didn't want to sell them to Maurizio. Then he did. And then the, then Aldo goes to jail for 
because they ratted him out for tax evasion. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody was just kind of, I think, taking jabs at each other. And then it's mm-hmm. like death by a thousand cuts where you've now weakened everybody in the family. And so it starts to just collapse on itself. Um, but it did not turn out well for Paolo because I believe all the money he got, he ended up blowing, never really started a company, ended up bankrupt. Um, so... It's almost like don't what is, don't they? I think that's that was in I can't remember if that was in the book or in one of the documentaries where they said the first generation creates the business, the second generation runs the business, and the third generation destroys the business. <laughs> well, and that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. Aldo, however, believed the documents assigning the shares to Maurizio had not actually been signed by Rodolfo, but rather that his signature had been forged by his nephew. Fearing he would be arrested for these accusations, Maurizio fled to his chalet in Switzerland. He was eventually charged with the crime, but then later acquitted. There's yeah. so much going on. <laughs> Tax evasion, forgery. Then it came out later that uh, was largely implied that Patrizia had actually forged the documents. So who knows? It's I like mean, a who's on first situation. She would, though. Oh, I'm yeah. Just, I mean... She or seems, or uh, Maurizio would at her behest. Also, maybe that. You know? Yeah, I mean, he he was acquitted, so he was never convicted of that forgery. But I mean, I imagine if you're Aldo and that much money is at stake, you have to you you push every button you can you're to try to get that back. It's not a great look to flee to your Swiss chalet when charges are about to come down. I mean, that kind of uh, implicates that you know something about it. Where else do you flee to? That's the nicest place you can flee it's to. It's neutral. It's very neutral, and you can ski while you're there. <laughs> For the next five years, under Maurizio's leadership, the company floundered in the red. Finally, in 1993, Maurizio caved and sold his remaining shares to the investment fund for $170 million. Patrizia told The Guardian, I was angry with Maurizio about many, many things at that time, but above all, this, losing the family business. It was stupid. It was a failure. I was filled with rage, but there was nothing I could do. He shouldn't have done that to me. Girl. To me? <laughs> That's, it's this personal. ain't about you. This ain't about you. <laughs> she, um, she does not come off great in interviews. And I was watching another set of interviews with her yesterday. And Paris goes, she seems like kind of a jerk. <laughs> she kind of does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she's, she is who she is. She's got the attitude that she's got. But she, she just comes off as kind of brash and a lot of, well, it's about me. This is actually, yeah. this is about Very, me. Very uh, egocentric. Yeah. Her friend said that she wasn't even that mad about losing her husband. She was mad that she was going to lose the Gucci name. Yeah, she wanted to be La Signora Gucci no mm-hmm. matter what. And uh, But yeah, Maurizio is not great at business. Um, he, Mm-mm. in addition to cutting off all the licensing agreements, he also spent tons of money on office space, uh, decking it out, making it super fancy, and just all these expenditures that uh, were... You don't really want to make a large expenditure when you're also bleeding revenue. That's just kind of... Again, maybe don't ask. Don't I ask your friend that you met a at a spa. Degree. Yeah, but I think that's business 101. Don't so. spend more than you make. It's just good, it's just good advice, buddy. Mm-hmm. But he was... Uh, you know, he had his own way of doing things. After the final sale of the business, Maurizio began to enjoy life once again. With an overflowing bank account, he began dating Paola Franchi, a gorgeous, tall, blonde socialite from a wealthy background. The pair had been childhood friends, and Paola had even attended Maurizio's wedding to Patrizia in 1972. They reconnected after both of their marriages had failed. Oh, yeah. Paola was like a uh, tall drink of water. She was uh, 
Gorgeous. I don't think that they reconnected after their marriages had failed. I mean, their marriages may have failed, but they were still married. Yeah, I was going to say, define marriage failed. That's not the same as divorce was finalized. Correct. They definitely reconnected when they had been separated from their spouses, maybe. Or perhaps even before. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maurizio bought an apartment for them to share on an elite street in Milan. As things grew serious with Paola, Patrizia grew more and more jealous, still attending the fancy parties of the high society scene. She could be heard asking anyone who would listen. Which one of you is going to kill Maurizio for me? Bold. (laughs) Just like you? What about you? Which one of you is going to do this? Uh, Ding, ding, ding. I have an announcement. (laughs) I'd like to make a toast. It is which one of you is going to kill my estranged husband? She's like, I have a business venture um, taking applicants now. Turns out it's murder for hire. Yeah, Mm. she, uh, she was bold. She was very pissed about this because the idea is that she's forever Lady Gucci, but Mm -hmm. now there's another woman on his arm. She's not that no more. Indeed. Patrizia was not shy about her desire to have her husband killed. On more than one occasion, she asked her housekeeper if her boyfriend would do the deed. She also told the caretaker of their chalet in Switzerland to put several tanks of gasoline near the house and... I'd take care of the rest. According to Town & Country... Even on her daughter's 18th birthday, Patrizia could not momentarily put aside her quest to murder her estranged husband. While celebrating Alessandra at the extravagant party, Patrizia inquired to her divorce lawyer about having the father of her children killed. At her birthday. Why is your divorce lawyer at your kid's birthday party (laughs) in the first place? Probably because she had some questions. Kill two birds with one stone. After he left to Florence... That they didn't talk to each other. They only talked through lawyers. Well, which, then you got to have them around all the time in case yeah. there's, you know, that's just sufficient. You're yeah. like, well, I, if you're just around all the time, I don't need to like relay anything. You can just yeah. see it firsthand. And then you can share it. Also, it's like shunning, unshunt. Chrissy, please tell Paris that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like, please pass mm-hmm. the message. It's like, I'm right here. I can hear you. But also for those lawyers, ain't an hourly rate high enough to deal with. Those folks hating each other, and it's exhausting. Oh, my gosh. You never have a moment's peace. And then you're just trying to enjoy this lavish birthday party, and she's like, so what would happen? Hypothetically. Not even hypothetically. She's probably like, I want to kill Maurizio. Tell me what I'm looking at if I get caught. (laughs) Trying to eat your cake? Like, oh, no. Please don't say things like that to me. But he can't say anything, right? No. I mean, no. Not unless there she said, go. I'm taking, con- I mean, I don't know the rules in Italy, but here, if you say, I'm going to kill him tonight, I am actually going to walk over there um, when he's finished with that drink and shoot him in the face. Then you say, okay, I can break attorney-client privilege because there's an imminent threat of harm. Mm. Uh, but if she's like, I'm going to kill him someday, that's not enough. To Damn. Break. What's, yeah, I guess that brings up the question of definition of imminent. Yeah, they, it's, they, that's a whole thing they take you through in professional responsibility because there was a case where I think it was... Like tomorrow, I'm gonna do this, and they didn't break, and you should have. If I'm not, mm. if I'm recalling correctly, like they said, oh, well, it didn't seem imminent to me because they said they were gonna do it tomorrow. It's like just take the hit from the ethics committee and just save somebody's life. Like, yeah, <laughs> tomorrow seems imminent to me. Yeah, I think so. That's to, that's yeah. Tomorrow is if I knew tomorrow I was gonna die. To me, that's imminent. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed everyone in Patrizia's inner circle knew of her plan to have Maurizio murdered including the target himself. After Patrizia underwent surgery to have a brain tumor removed in 1992, 
She recorded a heated message for her ex after he didn't visit her in the hospital. She then hand-delivered the cassette tape to him, according to Town & Country. In part, the message said, Maurizio, I'm not going to give you a minute apiece. You're a painful appendage that we all want to forget. The inferno for you is yet to come. In her journal writings, she doubled down on her feelings, reassuring herself, Vendetta is not just for the downtrodden, but also for the angels. Get your revenge, because you are right. This (laughs) woman... Don't be journaling this, by the way. First of all, write it and regret it. Yep. Uh, we all, we all. If you got your lawyer on retainer twenty four seven, somebody should have told you that one. But perhaps you're like, it doesn't matter. I'll. <laughs> she seems like she doesn't think she'll ever be beat. So I don't no. think she does. She's not. She doesn't strike me as a person that thinks the rules apply to her. Correct. Yeah. No, I think she's on top of the world. She thinks mm-hmm. that she's on top of the world and untouchable, and that. The divorce, he'll never divorce her for whatever reason. I don't, and then even after he divorced her, that he would never get rid of her. And so I think it was a little bit more self importance than was, re, you know, true than was real. Yeah. I mean, she was there it, during the marriage when he was coming up in the business and was, like she said, her, you know, his kind of um, advisor and stuff. So I'm sure you feel like you are deserved of mm-hmm. um, a portion of that in the in the name and stuff, but she was definitely, um, I think she thought she was more important to the business than, than she really was. Uh, and she may have been so important to the business because as soon as he took over and stopped listening to her, the shit went down the toilet. That's true. So, maybe she was the one keeping it all together. Yeah, maybe he should have listened. I don't know. But she definitely was bold. Because, you know, we usually say, say it and forget it, write it and regret it. But she said it to so many, so That's many true. people. Yeah. So she was. Many. She had zero regrets. <laughs> There's lined up witnesses. So <laughs> don't, don't do either Mm-mm. in this case. By 1994, the Gucci's were finally divorced. Patrizia still refused to give up the name, though their divorce settlement barred her from continuing to use it. She told La Repubblica at the time, They need me. I still feel like a Gucci. In fact, the most Gucci of them all. The settlement also came with a hefty sum of alimony, $1.47 million per year. Still, seeing Maurizio happy with Paola and fearing they may have a child together, Patrizia was driven wild with jealousy. She also had a financial interest in their relationship. If Maurizio got married to Paola, his alimony to Patrizia would be cut in half, down to a mere $860,000 per year, an amount she equated to... A bowl of lentils. According to the Daily Beast. My goodness. You know, sometimes we all need to be reminded of where we came from. (laughs) Is it... Oh, is it Shaq? There's someone... Some really famous NFL or, or NBA player, I remember seeing it on Cribs, that outside of his gorgeous bedroom in his huge mansion, he has a framed picture of the very humble house he grew up in that was, you know, based kind of like um, just a, a rundown home. And he's like, this is so I never forget where I came from. 
Yeah, I think that's a good perspective to have and keep in mm-hmm. mind. And the general counsel of AT&T went to SMU and when he spoke to us, he talked about how the top of his offices in the top floors of the AT&T building and that from where he's at, he can see Pleasant Grove and he grew up in Pleasant Grove, which is an older neighborhood in Dallas mm-hmm. in a really small frame house. And he's like, it helps me every day to look out my window and be like, you're up here now, but you were not born up here. You know, you made your way up here through, you know, everything. So I think saying... Eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars. That's a lot of lentils. That's a big bowl. I would bowl. love to eat that bowl of lentils. I'd happily eat, eat a far smaller bowl of lentils. Yeah. On March twenty seventh, nineteen ninety five, at eight thirty a.m., Maurizio Gucci walked up the red granite steps to the building of his private office at Via Palestro twenty in Milan. Giuseppe Onorato, the building's doorman who was outside sweeping up leaves, later described the day. It was a lovely spring morning, very quiet. Giuseppe had noticed a suspicious character standing nearby for a few moments before Maurizio had arrived. Suddenly, that suspicious character was on the building steps. Giuseppe told the guardian, Mr. Gucci arrived carrying some magazines and said good morning. Then I saw a hand. It was a beautiful, clean hand, and it was pointing a gun. The hitman's gun was outfitted with a silencer. He shot Maurizio three times, causing him to collapse on the ground, The man then walked up and shot Maurizio in the temple with no hesitation. Giuseppe later said, I thought it was a joke. Then the shooter saw me. He lifted the gun again and fired two more times. What a shame, I thought. This is how I die. Giuseppe was shot in the arm and luckily survived. The hitman jumped into a waiting getaway car and sped away. When authorities arrived shortly thereafter, Giuseppe was able to describe the tragic events. Maurizio was pronounced dead at the scene. He was 46 years old. They said he was a man of habit. He was always there between 8 and 8.30. Mm-hmm. Walked to work from the nice apartment up the street. Super nice to the doorman. The doorman said hi to him every day. The doorman, they said at the time there had been some uh, mafia-related bombings and incidents around Milan and neighboring cities. And so the, he, the doorman said, I felt like I was the eyes and ears on the ground. And so he took note of the guy And he Mm. said, I noticed that he was checking his watch. He was looking up and down the street. Then I thought, okay, well, maybe he's just waiting for someone, but I'll keep my eye on him. But, of course, when you say, you don't think, oh, when Gucci arrives, then he's going to strike. You're like, oh, he must be waiting for a friend. I'm going to keep sweeping my leaves. His gut, though, told him something (laughs) was wrong. My question is, what was Maurizio's job? He had a bunch of investments. He had okay, got himself an office. Yeah, he had the the money. He was able to manage to keep some of the money. He paid off. I think he had like $40 million in debt. And then when he sold out the rest of his shares, he kept the remainder and had some real estate investments and just various uh, business dealings. So he would just go into to an office. I mean, I guess when you're that rich, you want an office space just to go and sit and yeah. do office things. I'm doing business things. <laughs> exactly. Police dug through business dealings, personal dealings, and family records. Even with a handful of possible suspects, including Patrizia, there was no hard evidence leading them to a killer. For nearly two years, Maurizio's murder remained unsolved. And there's also, like, because of the hitman nature of it, they thought, well, did he have some kind of mafia dealings? Yeah, like, oh, it's probably just somebody that he fucked over coming back to get their revenge because he had... I mean, they were a huge name in mm-hmm. Italy, all over the world, and had some shady business dealings at mm-hmm. times. In January of 1997, police got a break in the case. A tip came in that a hotel porter, Ivano Savioni, 
confessed to setting up the crime with the Gucci's longtime friend and psychic confidant, Pina Ariema. After police sent an undercover officer to interview Savioni and tape the incriminating conversation, all the participants were arrested on January 31st, 1997. And she rolled up. Patrizia said, I'll come with you. Hang on a second. I need to go get my fur coat. Yes, and jewels and sunglasses. Mm-hmm. I mean, how else are you going to arrive at prison if not decked out in your most lavish and expensive Gucci clothes? Yeah, and she said, I don't go anywhere without my fur, so I'm going to put my fur on. Sadly, I believe, if not both daughters, at least one daughter was home at the time and asked Notorino, who was the prosecutor in Italy, the prosecutor is also the lead detective. They kind of mm-hmm. do double duty. Um, and he said, I mean, I think so. That's why we're arresting her. So that's kind of crushing for the yeah. daughters that you lost your dad and then to find out it was your mom that did it. But then also she wrote in her diary the Greek word for paradise on the day that he died. Yeah. So yet again. <laughs> Knowing it was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's just to have that kind of hatred in your heart for someone mm-hmm. who in reality, didn't do anything that devastating. And at the very least, gave you your kids. Yeah. You know, gave you the life that you have now. I mean, that we know of didn't do anything to engender this kind of hatred. Mm-hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. Setting new goals, creating and sticking to healthy habits, building a daily routine you can actually keep. Making these changes should be easy, Right. Well, if you're not sure how or where to start, then it's time to try Fabulous, the habit-changing app that gives you and me, I use Fabulous, the tools and skills you need to feel healthier, more productive, and fulfilled. By using behavioral science, Fabulous breaks down scientifically proven healthy habits into a daily routine of very small tasks that you can easily achieve every single day. My uh, registered dietitian I work with for my stomach stuff was like, you got to drink more water. You got to drink more water. And how? How can I do that? But Fabulous actually has a reminder to help drink water. It has, it helps you. It looks like a, it's a real pretty interface. And so you mm-hmm. follow the, the little um, tick the box off. If you're not like for a couple of days, I wasn't checking in that I was drinking water and it would pop up that was like brainstorm some things you could do to prompt yourself to drink water, which is also what Meredith told me. So it's, it's She's a professional telling me to do these things. And now I have this app that's an extension of what I'm already supposed to be doing. Um, and it has those uh, like lovely lessons you can listen to. And, and um, yeah, I really like it. Yeah. It mind, reminds me to breathe, mm-hmm. which uh, is an anxious person. Sometimes I'll sometimes I'll just be real, realizing I've been holding my breath. And I'm like, <laughs> good Lord, exhale. So it's a good reminder that, like, just chill out, take a breath, calm down. Start building your ideal daily routine today with Fabulous Premium. Get 25% off Fabulous Premium by going to thefab.co slash creepy. That's T-H-E-F-A-B dot C-O slash creepy for 25% off Fabulous Premium. Thefab.co slash creepy. For most people, the new year means rethinking how they take care of themselves. Native makes it easy to switch to a personal care brand that makes all their products with simple ingredients. Native creates self-care products that are made with simple ingredients like shea butter and coconut oil, so you can overhaul your entire hygiene routine and smell great all day long. 
Native deodorant checks a lot of boxes. Aluminum-free, 24-hour odor protection, zero residue on skin application, and over 10 cents to choose from. Plus, starting this month, Native is teaming up with Baked by Melissa for a limited edition collection including cupcake-inspired scents like mint cookie, fresh peach, and ginger lemonade. So you'll want to eat your own armpit. Mm, I am wearing the eucalyptus mint right now. I smell like a fresh little eucalyptus tree sitting here. Bush, tree, I'm not sure where they come from, but it smells great. And it feels nice and smooth. And the applicator is all recyclable materials. So you don't have to worry when you're done about chunking some plastic into the earth. It's it's just, um, it's a really nice way to... Stay fresh, but also feel good about what you're doing. Because I always feel real guilty when I buy just a big old chunk of plastic deodorant. And then when I get rid of it, I'm just like, well, (laughs) sorry. Sorry, Mother Earth. Uh, This year, up your personal hygiene routine with Native. Go to nativedeo.com slash creepy or use promo code creepy at checkout and get 20% of your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash creepy or use promo code creepy at checkout for 20% off your first order. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Green Chef's pre-portioned, easy-to-follow recipes are delivered right to your door so you get more chef-curated flavor in less time. I love it because I can get all kinds of yummy gluten-free treats and I don't have to just go to the same chicken breast, brown rice, Mm -hmm. or nachos, which I tend to... It's boring. It's good. Yeah, it's good food. They have um, the Boom Boom Shrimp Bowl has like this creamy sauce and there's green leaves and cabbage. Again, I'm supposed to be eating more vegetables. I'm so hungry right now and that sounds so freaking good. I (laughs) would love to to get my Boom Boom on right now. Get your Boom Boom on because you get the crunch of the vegetables and Mm -hmm. the lettuce in there and it's part... So I feel like I'm eating my nachos but in fact i'm eating lettuce which i've there been, <laughs> been recommended to eat more of there you go and i love shrimp so much go to greenchef.com slash creepy 130 and use code creepy 130 to get 130 dollars off plus free shipping that's greenchef.com slash creepy 130 and use code creepy 130 to get 130 dollars off plus free shipping When it comes to podcasts covering mystery and murder, Generation Y is a true original. If you're obsessed with true crime and unsolved murder cases, this show has it all. Hosts Aaron and Justin cover cases from all angles. They break down theories, dive deep into forensic evidence, and discuss their opinions on the most perplexing cases. In their recent episode on Lori DuPont, Aaron and Justin covered her relationship with Mark Daniel, a physician with a track record of dating and committing domestic violence against nurses. Incidents of stalking and harassment escalated, and on November 12, 2005, Mark Daniel did the unthinkable. And with, you know, I mean, any cases they cover, they're very empathetic. They, mm-hmm. They're always sensitive, especially, you know, when they're diving into the forensic details of the crimes. They're always very respectful about it. And then also just every fact you could possibly want. It's well-researched. We appreciate oh, yeah. Appreciate the research. Always got to dive deep in there and um, tell us where it came from and, and why. And then also the opinion. So we like that, too. We're, mm-hmm. we're so what do we think? And they'll tell you what they think as well. Listen to the Generation Y podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. When Patricia was arrested, the media began calling her Vadova Nera. 
the Black Widow. She showed up to the trial most days, dressed head to toe in Gucci products. For a while, she didn't come at all. And then after, so I think in the preliminaries, she did not come. But then when she started coming, I think when you kind of realize the cameras are around and... She Anna Delvied it. You know, you got to dress up every day. If you got to be there, you're going to show up uh, dressed to the nines. There's a Shonda Rhimes Anna Delvey show that's about to come out on Netflix. I'm excited to watch that. Prosecutor Carlo Nocerino laid out the case to the jury. Patrizia had plotted Maurizio's murder with Pina. Pina's lover, hotel porter Ivano Savioni, found a hitman, Benedetto Cerullo, a pizzeria owner who had amassed a significant gambling debt, had agreed to accept $300,000 to kill Maurizio. The group then enlisted the help of a getaway driver, Orazio Cicala. Afraid that Patrizia would try and pin the whole thing on her, Pina confessed. Her boyfriend and the getaway driver soon came clean also. Despite these confessions, the hitman and Patrizia both maintained that they were innocent throughout the trial. Patrizia claimed that she didn't even learn about the plot to murder her ex-husband until after the crime had occurred. Yeah, it was pretty much, uh, they, they squealed right away. I mean, everyone and their dog knows that she's been running around town asking for it to happen. It's, I mean, she leaned in, even yeah. though... There's a thousand people. They're like, oh, yeah, she asked me. She asked me, too. She asked you. Oh, she asked me. She's like, I didn't know anything about it. Well, they at least at trial, her defense attorneys brought her on the stand and said, how many times did you ask people to kill your husband? And she said, like, a thousand. She said so many times. But she said, I did it as a joke. I never yeah. meant it. I was um, just or I was incensed. Just I was angry. Yeah, it was all yeah. just, uh, it, was, it was for show. Well, at some point. <laughs> somebody's going to take you seriously, even if maybe you don't, you're not serious. If you know somebody's rich as hell, and you're like, I heard you've been asking around about this. But the reality is, she straight up planned the whole thing yeah. and gave pe- lots of people lots of money to do it. As suspected, Patrizia's attorneys tried to pin it all on Pina, claiming that she had orchestrated Mauricio's murder without Patrizia's involvement. The motive was blackmail. Pina ordered the hit so she could extract money from the former Mrs. Gucci, under the threat of framing her. The jury did not buy the story, and all five defendants were convicted. Patrizia and the getaway driver were each sentenced to 29 years. Pina was given 25 years, Sabioni was given 26, and Benedetto, the one who pulled the trigger, was sentenced to life in prison. Yeah, they uh, they they try to say, you know how often she said, "Would someone kill my husband?" Pina knew that she said that, and so she thought it was the perfect way to frame her. So again, they're pulling, they're really trying to twist the evidence in Patrizia's favor, which is obviously what a defense attorney is supposed to do. But they said, and in Italy, the judge can ask questions as well, and the judge mm-hmm. is also part of the jury. And they said the judge was not buying that, that they had all these bank records and financial statements that showed she had sent money to Pina or sent money, and it all totaled the amount that they had said. Plus, they had recordings of Pina and the gentleman talking about, okay, well, when is she going to pay us? She owes us another final payment, that they had bugged their car. So they didn't even know. It wasn't like they came to the police station and said, hey, we want to tell you this story. The cops had bugged their car and heard them thinking nobody was listening, saying... They weren't the smartest. Yeah. Well, I mean, but at least they thought nobody was listening. So you know they were being honest going, you know, Patrizia owes us more money. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, okay, well, let's... Oh, the cops are listening, so let's all... You know, they didn't know they were being uh, investigated. So there was just clearly sufficient evidence to convict her. Although, you know, to the end, she said, no, I didn't do this. It's interesting 
I guess the getaway driver got more because he was there at the scene. And then Probably. she got more because she's the wife. Well, she's the one that orchestrated yeah. it. Yeah. But then Pina and Savioni were almost given the same amount as her. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think when you look at a murder for hire, I think obviously the trigger man is going to be the highest because sure. he, he did it. He did it. And then the planner would be the next one. And I think you're right because the getaway driver was at the scene. He would get more. Mm-hmm. I wonder if because Savioni worked as the kind of go between between Pina and the killers, the killer that that's why he got an extra year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the, there were some question. Benedetto Cerullo said, listen, I did not pull the trigger. I never did this. In Italy, they make violent offenders accused of violent crimes, at the time at least, stand in a cage. We had to do the trial in a cage. Uh, wow. You look pretty guilty when you talk about, you know, yeah. putting giving someone the, the best possible um, chance at a fair trial. I think yeah. sticking someone in a cage like a zoo animal is probably not great. But that he had this kind of icy stare and would just lean over and lean on the gate fence that he was behind too casual and, and was just like i didn't do it i didn't do it but that he no Torino said uh the prosecutor detective said this was like the cast of a movie that he said these mm-hmm. these four and patrizia looked like they which that's what it turned into but he said it's like a, a comedy film where everybody has this personality and then they all come together and it's like like you said they're not really the smartest because one told somebody else in the he just there's too it many out. people involved. Yeah. You can't have five people involved when you're trying to plan to kill somebody. Because then somebody's going to squeal like they did, uh, just mm-hmm. bragging in a bar, which that has been the downfall of many a, a case that's so many. unsolved. Or but bragging then, like, in prison or something, yeah. Well, and then they squeal on each other because you mm-hmm. start to say, well, Patrizia's going to pin it on you. She's like, pin it on me? Oh, hell no. I'm going to tell you everything. Here are the receipts. And so then it just collapses. Mm-hmm. Patrizia was remanded to Milan's San Vittori prison to begin her 29-year sentence. She refused to label herself as a prisoner and described her incarceration as her stay at Vittori residence. She explained her time in jail to the Guardian, saying, I slept a lot. I took care of my plants. I looked after Bambi, my pet ferret. Her lawyers had negotiated to have Bambi stay in the cell, Patrizia shared with two or three other inmates. Sadly, Bambi died when another inmate sat on her. Pina was jailed in the same facility as Patrizia for 15 years of their sentence. In a later interview with People magazine, Patrizia said with a roll of her eyes, That was fun. Awkward. They said they really tried to stay uh, away from each other and avoid each other. Pina said, so there's an interview... It's called Lady Gucci or The Life of Lady Gucci. It's on Discovery Plus. And they interview Pina in that as well as Patrizia. And Pina said, the prison was divided. Half people were Ooh. team Pina. Half people were team Patrizia. Thought one did it or the other did it. Um, and But Patrizia straight up says in that interview, and what, I mean, taking it with a grain of salt, presuming it's true. She goes, oh, I got extremely preferential treatment in, in jail. I was treated very well. Like Pina my says lo- that? No, Patrizia said oh. that. Patrizia is like, I was treated very well. She got her own private garden area to go to that she would tend to. When she said, I took care of my plants. She had a ferret. <laughs> got her I've a- never heard of somebody being allowed to have a pet in prison well, unless it was she- just a rat that showed up one night. <laughs> I mean, Bambi, she needed Bambi. Bambi. R.I.P. How, man, 
I guess you just aren't looking where you're sitting. It's curled up sleeping. It's so sad. That's that's a horrible way to go. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. I I got a lot of questions about that, but yeah, the I'm whole jail situation it, it though. Go. It sounded like uh, they really just kind of I won't say let her run amok, but I mean it, it, she was in jail. That sucks. In 2011, Patrizia was offered the chance to be released on parole. Shockingly, she turned the opportunity down. In order to qualify for the program, she would have had to get a job. She told the court, I've never worked in my life, and I don't intend to start now. I guess if you've got your own garden and a ferret and nobody's messing with you, jail ain't that bad. It's pretty cushy. You'd be like, Mm -hmm. I'm good. Thanks. I, I can sleep and I don't have to work. Everything is paid for. I'll I'll t- finish out my time here. Yeah, why rock the boat? Patrizia was finally released in October of 2016 after serving 18 years, having received time off for good behavior and a reduction in her sentence on appeal. Her first act was to go shopping in an exclusive area of Milan, decked out in giant sunglasses and designer jewelry. On her shoulders sat the ultimate accessory, a large blue and orange macaw. When asked by a journalist upon her release, Patrizia, why did you hire a hitman to kill Maurizio Gucci? Why didn't you shoot him yourself? She coolly answered, My eyesight is not so good. I didn't want to miss. So she didn't really deny it. She sort of stopped denying it. Yeah. I mean, she's done her time, so it's like, well, they can't convict me again at this point. I'm just going to own it. Yeah. This is a uh, knowing that your two daughters are still around. Also, that that's the hard, that's the sad thing. I think the the obviously Maurizio is a victim, but her daughters, especially in this, Mm -hmm. was this totally senseless, and you then don't really seem to have any remorse. No, she. I don't think she ever took into consideration. I will be leaving my daughters without a father, Mm -hmm. and our future grandchildren without a grandfather. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just completely selfish and not considering the repercussions of anything. Yeah, it was all uh, completely selfish, I think, is the exact, you hit the nail on the head, that she she always saw, how does this affect me? How does Mm -hmm. this impact me? And I want him dead. I don't care how it's going to impact. Like, I hate him more than I love my own kids, which is very sad. Very, very sad. Two years before he was murdered, Maurizio signed an agreement in which he agreed to pay Patrizia almost $1.5 million per year, every year, until her death. Upon her release from jail, she sued to enforce the agreement, receiving $26 million in back payments and nearly $1.5 million per year going forward. The money comes from Maurizio's estate, which is managed by their two daughters, Allegra and Alessandra. Understandably, The daughters remain estranged from their mother after she was convicted for having their father murdered. Yeah, I think that's rough that, I mean, technically she's contractually uh, entitled to it, but now that is, I mean, it's more money than most people could spend in a lifetime, but that's money that you're sucking out of the estate that your daughters inherited. And every year the daughters are like, well, here's the money that we're giving to mom who killed our dad. Like, you just can't ever get away. It's constantly being thrust back into your face. Yeah, it's always going to remind you and remind Mm -hmm. you and remind you. House of Gucci, starring Lady Gaga as Patrizia Reggiani and Adam Driver as Maurizio Gucci, was released in theaters in November of 2021. 
directed by Ridley Scott. The film is inspired by the book, The House of Gucci, a sensational story of murder, madness, glamour, and greed by Sarah Gay Forden. While there are Oscar nomination rumors for Gaga and Jared Leto, who plays Paolo Gucci, Maurizio's cousin in the film, the real-life Gucci family have been very public about what they believe to be a false representation of their family. A spokesperson for the family issued a statement which read in part, Gucci is a family that lives honoring the work of its ancestors, whose memory does not deserve to be disturbed to stage a spectacle that is untrue and which does not do justice to its protagonist. The members of the Gucci family reserve the right to take action to protect the name, image, and dignity of themselves and their loved ones. Nothing has happened yet legal-wise. I mean, they're such public figures. I think they were pissed that um, Aldo, which is Al Pacino, portrays Uncle Aldo, was they didn't like how he was portrayed. I believe that they thought that it was pretty uh, sympathetic, sympathetic to Patricia mm-hmm. to Patricia that she was a you know a woman in a male dominated field and that it was a sexist company and they said in their statement that's not that's just patently false. We had many female executives. We respected, you know, everybody that worked here. Um they maybe Even if just that didn't is like true, her. that's not a reason to kill someone. No, I don't yeah, I, I mean, don't she think shouldn't that that... be justified for for killing someone. No, yeah, I think uh, she's uh, not a sympathetic character. You know, mm-hmm. because she has, if, like I said, if you watch more interviews with her after she got out of jail, she was real reticent to talk at first. And then, because there was an early interview right after she got out that was like, the first time she's talking, she spoke to The Guardian, and then she did a sit-down with people, and it was like, the only interview she'll agree to do. Well, now there's like five or six more. She, I mean, she just started she's going. She's getting the money. Yeah. And so uh, the more and more you hear from her, she's like, was really all about the money. Mm -hmm. Patricia has also been vocal about her feelings toward the film, saying she was disappointed Lady Gaga didn't consult her on her portrayal of the role, but acknowledging that she does see the physical resemblance between the two. She had complaints about director Ridley Scott as well telling the Associated Press that he was stealing the identity of a family to make a profit. For his part, Scott isn't bothered, telling BBC Radio. You have to remember that one Gucci was murdered and another went to jail for tax evasion, so you can't be talking to me about making a profit. As soon as you do that, you become part of the public domain. How ironic that she is criticizing him for trying to make a profit off of a, the identity of a family. Yeah, that's pretty much what she did from day one. It sounds like it, yeah. Well, so what do we think? She she says this, and it's apparently not the first time she said it, but it's in the, the Killing Gucci, the People magazine special. She goes, oh, I would rather be crying in the back of a Rolls Royce than on a bicycle. You know, she's like, it's always better to be rich. It's uh, She she wanted the money. I mm-hmm. mean, she, and I think knowing that Paola and Maurizio were getting closer. Oh, by the way, the day that Maurizio was murdered, Patrizia rolled into the apartment that Paola shared with Maurizio and kicked her ass out mm-hmm. and, on the street. And, her, and the uh, Paola's son yes. that lived there, kicked too. kicked him out on the street. So I think... Within three hours, I believe. Yes. It was like the news came. She said, oh, they told me he died, and I just... My world totally stopped, and I was totally horrified in this interview, you know, 30 years later. But at the time, oh, no. She's like, Mm-mm. get out. This is ours. This money is ours. Um so I don't think she's ever, like, hidden what her true... You know, I think they, they may have truly been in love with each other early on, but when the gravy train was fin to leave the station and mm-hmm. her 
alimony was about to get cut in half. And if there were other heirs, you know, if he had started having kids with Paola. Yeah. She was worried her daughters would get cut out. But she's the one that cut her daughters out of Mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, the pie just started getting smaller for her. So I think that's when she started panicking the the closer that they got and everything. So, I mean, I I love Lady Gaga and I'm excited to see the film. Um, But I don't... um, and I get it when you take artistic license, you know, you want, you don't want everybody to hate the lead character, but uh, if you've seen the movie, I would recommend going on discovery plus and watching some of those interviews with her, or just jump on YouTube and see if you can find some interviews with her. Cause it's like, Oh, she's not sympathetic. At yeah. All. I'm she, interested to see the movie to see how sympathetic they do portray her mm-hmm. because the greatest irony of it all is like, she, wanted him killed so her daughters didn't get cut out of what she thought was rightfully theirs when she took the father from to her her daughters having money was more important than her daughters having a father and her having money honestly yeah i think i think the whole well there'll be more heirs well i think that is there's a smaller estate for me to also get mm-hmm. a piece of because she wanted her one and a half, one point four seven million every year into something you married into. Yeah, yes, you, you may have been it. a part of it, and you know, I don't know the laws of ownership and what you're entitled to there. But I mean, regardless of what it is, this definitely comes down to greed, and that she was just um, nothing was ever enough, and she was going to do whatever she needed to do to to keep the lifestyle that she wanted. She didn't want to go back to. What it was like when she was a little girl. Yeah, and I think you say, I clawed my way up here, and I'll be goddamned if Mm -hmm. somebody's going to take this from me. I don't even care if I get divorced. You know, I don't care what. I am, I will, uh, I'll kill for it. It's what happened. Well, uh, when we watch the movie, maybe we'll do a watching party together, and then we can review it on Patreon Yeah, we'll do a Patreon movie review. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm very curious to see how all of these characters are portrayed and... What um what story they tell since we have now now kind of know more than we would have just having yeah. watched the movie. Dive deep into it. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a couple of live shows. We were just saying that I uh, blew your mind by my obnoxious audiobook leaving our other show we had at Dallas Comedy Club. Such a good show. So uh, much fun. So much fun. And we've got a couple more coming up for you on January 28th at 8 p.m. at Dallas Comedy Club in Deep Ellum. The cult is reuniting you guys. The cult is Christy, Tommy, myself, Jade Smith, Nick Scott, Raymond Fisher, one of the all-time great lineups. I have a great time with y'all. It's going to be a super fun show. Every time. It's great. So that's be 8 p.m. January 28th. And then... Hot Dish, which is what we just did on the 14th, where we have a mix them up with random players on February 25th. We're doing a double header that night. The Colt is coming on at 8. Then we're going to do a mix them up with Hot Dish at 9. So make a night of it. February 25th at Dallas Comedy Club. You can go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. And I have included ticket links for your convenience. Well, how considerate of you. Yeah, and they're... Uh, DCC's got a banging patio. Oh, yeah. So... Um, getting patio you know, weather. Hang hang out before, hang out after. It's uh, make a night of it. Like Heather said, it'll be super fun. We love providing Sinister to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. 
As a thank you, you also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, Enrolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, special shout-out on the show, monthly bonus mini-sode, which we just did one on the Dallas Cephalopod Conspiracy, which is just as wild as it sounds. So, so fun. <laughs> and you get patron-exclusive audio and video content, including our new Wedit drama that we do. We just did a audio bonus and um on this uh, it's going to be Thursday, so you're going to mm-hmm. hear this on Wednesday. So Thursday, January twentieth, you're going to hear we're going to do Wedit Drama Live. So it's a video live stream. Christy and I, I'm going to bring some dramatic wedding shaming. I have visual aids. I'm excited. It's going to be a time. <laughs> and the day this comes out, Wednesday, we will be having our live Q and A. Yes, our live Q and A on Crowdcast. And uh, you can ask us anything. If you happen to hear this after that, go back and watch the, the mm-hmm. replay. But uh, if you hear it beforehand, before 8 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, January 19th, go jump on Patreon and uh, join in and send us some questions. We always There's have so much a hoot. fun. It's a hoot and a holler. You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and like we just said, we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you now have the option to pay in pounds or euros and save yourself the cost of the conversion fee. You can also get an annual membership for all tiers, and when you select this option, you get rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com, click on Shop in the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you out on the computer? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Maggie Murders. Stacey Shelton. Rachel Klein. Sarah Caldwell. Row, row. Renee Pfizer. Morgan Nelson. Amanda Chalquest. Victoria Tersini. Abby. Sam Bartholomew. Stephanie Parsons. Alex York. Lydia Ireland. Andrea Brown. Amanda Gomez. Jessica Morano. Alex Sardi. Lisa Adkins. Marcus Miller. Laura Ogley. Jessica Whitmer. Kate Schmidt. Talia Duarte. Elizabeth Party. Jillian McGovern. Kimberly Hoagland, Gina, Mary David, Mariah Stewart, Michelle Bowman, and Katie Cheese. Cheese. That uh. should be my last name. <laughs> I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> All I can think about is cheese and that boom, boom shrimp. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We sincerely appreciate it. We couldn't do this without you. We hope we got your names right. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs>
Hello, this is our thank you corner. I just wanted to say thank you so much to Bad Penny Soapworks. I ordered the Loveland Frogman soap, which uh, if you go on Bad Penny, it even has a shout out to Sinisterhood in the description. I was just going to order it for Christy for her birthday, and I just got one bar of soap. And Bad Penny was so nice that uh, she sent over a box of all the various types, the Wear Flamingo. There's all kinds of cryptid flavors. Ella was a huge fan of all the names. (laughs) I knew she would love it. Yeah, there's there's some great ones. So yeah, so go to Bad Penny Soapworks and get you uh at, at the very least a lovely and frogman, but uh on top of that all the other cryptid ones which uh so your birthday gift was one fourth me and three fourths Bad Pennies. So. Well thank you, Bad Penny. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the people that wished me a happy birthday and Simon a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. They um we've felt the love, so thank you all so so much. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin is-